Welcome to Deep Dive. My name is Dawn. And yes, Joe is still out sick, but he's getting better every day and he's getting much, much stronger. And he says all the thank yous for all the prayers that have been going up for him. So hopefully we'll be able to seal him real soon. This podcast is presented to you by Plantation SDA Church. And today we have Elder Nick Palmer. Welcome, Mr. Palmer. How are you today? Doing well. Why can't it just be Nick? You know, you want to throw that title on there. It's, all right. But I'll, I'll allow all it. Right, Nick, and then, elder okay. Nick Palmer. I've got to tell you that you're an elder, though, Nick. I gotta okay. Say all right. Elder. You said it, so we can move on from there. Now. <laughs> So before we get into the next sermon, let's have a word of prayer. Loving Father, we thank you so much for the day that you've given us. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and kindness. We thank you for the way that you're continually by our side, continually helping us in every way. But we ask now, God, that you just come into our hearts, into our minds as we go deeper into this sermon and help us to understand more about the plan, the things that you have for us to learn and help us also just to come closer to you as we learn more and more about you is our prayer in Jesus name. Okay, so looking back to move forward, that was the title of your sermon. So explain to me how you came up with that title. I, you know, I started with a different sermon title. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I, I said at the beginning of my sermon, it was really, really tough being a pastor, right? I can't imagine having to mm. do this all the time. Exactly. And you start working on something, you think you've got it all figured out in your head, and then you wake up one morning, you're like, nope, that's not it. Mm. And then you start working on something else, and then you're like, nope, that's not it. But mm. I think it was on Friday, Thursday morning or Friday morning that I woke up with that title. As I was working to kind of, you know, as I'm the first speaker for Black History Month, mm -hmm. wanting to look at history, mm -hmm. knowing I was going to also speak about a little bit of my history. Mm -hmm. And just somehow I woke up in the morning and that was there in my head. And I, I, I can't tell you what else it was before then mm -hmm. um, or, or how that came to be. It's just I, I feel that when I wake up in the morning, God plants ideas in my head. Right, right. There's a lot of the things over the years you may have heard me speak about or seen me do, it's usually something that I wake up in the morning, like God was whispering to me in the morning, mm -hmm. right there and first thing in the morning, I'm laying in my bed talking to God and these ideas right. will come into my head and that's what it was. Okay, when you first started your sermon, um, just a little segue that it is season three, episode five, you talked about a paradigm shift. I understand the church is going through this whole new season, as it were. Explain mm -hmm. to us what the paradigm shift is. Uh, so, and that also kind of ties in into the sermon title, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about a paradigm shift, it's about, it, it's the way you think about things. It's changing the way you think about certain topics, certain issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that as a church, and I'm going to say the Adventist church at large and, and plantation in particular, we've always had a way that we do ministry. It's mm -hmm. always been for us, you know, we've been to church with the music and, mm -hmm. you know, the very organized service right. and all those right. things. And that's right. totally okay. Right. I mean, you've been here since when Pastor Cabana was here mm -hmm. and, and he started us down this path of being a little bit more contemporary, mm -hmm. um, you know, and he brought us to the music and different things like that. A lot of that was his leading. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. but I feel that um, we got stuck there, mm. right? Wow. And like I said, in order to move forward, sometimes you've got to go back, but I just felt like we had to go way back. Mm. And um, when you think about your church being relevant in this world, mm -hmm. What we were doing at Plantation with our music and our concerts, it didn't make us relevant to the non-Adventist world, exactly. the non-Christian world. Mm. And I have searched for years for that, how do you be relevant? And you guys know, I didn't come into the church until pretty late in my life. Mm. And I've always wanted people to know that what's here on the inside is so great, mm. right? Because I lived most of my life outside of the church. Mm -hmm. I just feel that we're supposed to be telling people what's going on. And then when you go look at the Bible, that's, that's really what this whole thing about. Old Testament was everything was pointing to Jesus, right? right? right, right, right. New Testament, everything's talking about Jesus and he's coming back. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, look, I'm gonna give you some basic things to do. Mm -hmm. Love God, love others and go make disciples. He really just gave us three things to three do. Things. That's our real purpose as Christians. Exactly. And as I looked at what we've been doing as an Adventist church globally hmm. and kind of what we've been doing locally we haven't been doing that stuff maybe we've wow. been doing okay with the love God thing right mm -hmm. you know we kind of some the Adventists we feel that if we check that box hey I keep the Sabbath hey I don't eat there pork hey, hey. my Sabbath school lesson hey look mm -hmm. I'm floating out walking across mm -hmm. that's not it and mm -hmm. Pascal Manna always talked to us about love mm. love 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 yeah love. yeah yeah that's what it's yeah, all about. Yeah, it was a love, love pastor. I remember that. Yeah, he was, he was a love pastor, but as much as we say he was a love pastor, when you read the book, it's a love book. It's, it's the whole thing is about love. The whole thing is about love. Mm. Um, and then Jesus says, you'll know, they'll know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. So again, mm. this whole thing for me was about looking backwards to see what Jesus did, mm. looking backwards to see what the early church did. Mm -hmm. And then as I started digging even more, you can see that it was actually what the pioneers did. Mm. And, and for me in my journey, it was actually a little bit different. I actually started going back to see what did the early church do? Because I first started on this um, these seminars about becoming a center of influence. I don't know if you remember a few mm -hmm. years ago. I started yeah, talking I remember. Yeah. As, yeah. as I started looking at what the early pioneers of the Seventh-day Adventist church did, I saw that they were actually modeled on what Jesus and the early church did. So then I started going back and looking at let me go see what Jesus did in the early church did. I'm like, mm. why aren't we doing this? Mm, mm, mm. So looking back to mm -hmm. take our church forward, mm -hmm. and then it was Black History Month, looking mm -hmm. back to move forward, those things mm. all came together and that's what came into my head one morning. But um, mm. for me, this is really where it's at, is, is being the biblical church that we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm gonna say, I, I just listened to a sermon from Pastor Gabana today, mm. and it's, it's, it's the same message. He was talking about loving God, loving others, and, and you know, being real disciples. Right. And, and it's right. love. Yeah. How do you think um, Black History Month ties into this? Well, as I said, the historical aspect of it, right? And, you know, if I had had because more you, time... Because you were not raised in America, like, you know, the history of England yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So how does it really just, like we're in church how is it supposed to really affect it we're supposed to be christians that love one another just like you said black history should be like a, we already passed that already 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't you don't take away someone's experience if you just go again. I, I'm always going to refer back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "I came to the lost sheep of Israel." Right. Mm-hmm. He came to his own, mm-hmm. but his own knew him not. Right. So he was he had zeal for his people. Right. And it, he had a desire to see them one first. Right. And there's mm-hmm. no issue with that. Go mm-hmm. look at Paul in the Bible. Paul had mm-hmm. zeal for Jews. That's the first place right. he went. Right. So right. I don't right. see any issue with looking at your people and saying, hey, I want to make sure my people are taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I said this in the sermon that over and over again in the Bible, throughout that journey from Abraham all the way through, the, the Israelites were told, set up a monument here, do this in remembrance here. All the ceremonies were mm-hmm. for them to remember their history. Mm-hmm. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget mm-hmm. why you exist. Don't forget mm-hmm. the promise. Mm-hmm. So for Black history to be something that you know, for African-Americans or people of Afro-descent from wherever you are to be mm-hmm. something that we look at mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know what, we've got value. We're not just slaves. Even for us, where our, our heritage is from the islands, mm-hmm. that was a slave situation too, right? The same people that came and landed here and, and colonized here, those are the same exactly. people where well, my home country, your home right, country, right, but our heritage right, is from somewhere right, else. Right, right. They, they, they had slaves, right? right so it's important right. that we know where we came from because it goes right. up to them if that was still the dominant narrative, we would have had no history, we would have had no culture. Mm. But mm. history matters. And when you take away someone's history, you take away their identity, you take away their self-worth, you take away their pride. Mm. So for me, looking at Black history, there's no issue at all. In my house, it's something we talk about. Um, our Caribbean heritage, our Jamaican heritage, our English heritage. These are things that we discuss around the table all the time. Right, right, right. right. Um, you know, maybe these aren't things I discuss usually in these big public forums, right. but these are discussions I'm having with my family right. all the time. Mm-hmm. The I don't pole. see them as separate. Okay. The flagpole analogy. What did you mean yeah. by the flagpole analogy? Explain that. Um, so we, 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 we come from such a polarized world right? There's left, right, you know, Republican, Democrat, black, white, all these Mm -hmm. different things that divide us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my mind, again, I don't know when this analogy just popped up to me, but I used to, I think I used to call it the totem pole of my life. I "Hmm, I don't know if that works for the Christian. Let me get rid of the totem pole. (laughs) Remember the song, Love is a Flag Flown High from the Castle of My Heart? Remember that? So that's where it kind of morphed into for me is at the top, when I was in the world, I had different priorities, right? Mm. The things that were most important to me were the things that I spoke about the most. Those are the mm. things that I broadcast. They were my identity, right? Mm. Mm. But when I became a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, now he becomes number one in my life. Right, right. So everything else comes second, Secondary. right? And I was listening to Pastor Gabbana's sermon today, mm. and he was talking about when he challenged the people following him and said, you can have no part of me unless you're willing to give up your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. People are, whoa, that's crazy. But basically what he was saying is there can be nothing, nothing that right? Comes you shall have no other God before me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. When I make my political affiliation, right? Mm. And we saw this in 2020 <laughs> as people who were Christians of the same denomination yeah, moved yeah. to different sides of, of, of the, I don't want to say the aisle, but moved to different sides of the spectrum based on they they put their christian identity below i'm a republican so whatever Mm -hmm. the republicans say is right Mm -hmm. i'm a democrat so whatever the democrats say is right regardless of Mm -hmm. what the word says Mm -hmm. they had taken their political affiliation 
and taken it and placed it above the flag of follower of Jesus Christ. Mm. So what I'm saying is for some, it's that, but for some, it's their racial identity. Mm. For some, it's their educational status. Yep. For some, it's their financial status. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that have become more important in their lives. Mm. I'm saying that as a black man, my racial identity falls below the throne of Jesus. Mm. So I'm a follower of Jesus who happens to be a black man. So Jesus and doing what he says in the word becomes my priority over anything else. And I believe as true followers of Jesus Christ, that's what it's supposed to be. And that's what Jesus showed us. Mm. That he was willing to put everything else down to do what God asked do him to do. But do you that, think, that's where that came from. Do you think that, okay, in the church, we should be having all these things in front of God? I mean, it is prevalent that we have, we think about our status, whether it's educationally, financially, whatever. But as a Christian, are we supposed to really behave that way? Well, again, I, I, I want to say there's nothing wrong with, right, so, if, so if I was a white guy right now living in South Florida or let's just say North America or Europe, if I was a white Seventh-day Adventist Christian or just a Christian at all, I would look around and think, oh my goodness, where are all the white people going in the church? I would be thinking to myself, I'm just, I'm just wow. being real, look at it. That's I would true. be thinking, I want to go make sure that my people aren't lost, right? Mm. Just as Paul was concerned that, hey guys, this guy that we killed, he's the Messiah we've been waiting for. I want you mm. guys to know this is who he mm. is. I don't, you're my people. I love you. I right, don't want right, you to be right. lost. Right. So, I don't have an issue with someone having a political affiliation as long as it doesn't take the place of Jesus, because right? Jesus. The minute that your, your particular political party mm. is starting to take you away from what the word of God says, then mm. I've got an issue with that. Mm. And I believe in diversity in the church, right? Mm. There are many different types of people, many different life experiences. So no, we don't all have to be the same. Mm. But the unifying thing that should happen once we all become Christians is regardless of race, ethnicity, um, gender, um, financial status, mm. what did Jesus ask me to do? Mm. That comes first. Yes. And that's complex. It's not, it, I mean, it sounds so easy when it comes out of my mouth, but what do you do if you're part of an oppressed group of people who for hundreds and hundreds of years, other christians have right. held you down right. and oppressed you right right what do you do with that mm. i can only go look at what my master and my savior did mm. but when a group of people whipped him beat him accused him it says he didn't open his mouth he didn't fuss but he turned himself over to someone mm. who he knew was great and would eventually take care of him mm. now at that same time little gentle, gentle jesus meek and mild did not necessarily exist because jesus was gangster right Right. When you listen to Jesus' conversations with people, you're like, whoa, he said that, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't this little wimp and pushover, and I don't believe that we should be either. Right. But there do come times in our lives as people of color or as a Republican or as a Democrat where I'm going to yield my rights based on what the gospel asked me to do. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with being successful in this life. Right. There's nothing wrong being educated, right? In fact, I would say that the Bible often says those are good things. Good I can things. tell you where Ellen White has, she talks about we need people of financial means in the hey, church. Of course. Don't hold out Absolutely. on going to talk to them. Absolutely. You know, just don't let it be before what Jesus has asked you to do.
mm. and to my default too. What would you say to someone that says, you know what, Elder, I don't feel comfortable because this church has too many of a different race and I'm really going to go and find a church which has my own race because I'm going to go and find my people. What would you tell them? The really cool thing about the Adventist church is there's so much diversity. You can find the church that if you feel that's where Jesus is leading you, right? Mm. And so I'm going to default to. If you're going to tell me, you know, every time I pick up the word, Every time I get on my knees and pray, when I'm driving my car, I'm talking to Jesus. And he's just really saying, Mary, John, hey, you know, this church you're in right now is not for you. I want you to go to a church that has only black people. <laughs> if that's what he's telling you to do, because he's number one on your flagpole, and that's where he's leading you. Because maybe he's got an assignment for you, right? Yeah, maybe he's yeah, got a specific yeah. mission for you. Right. But based on your life experience, based on your way of viewing things, your way of communicating, he can use you better in that space than he can where we are in this particular church, mm -hmm. then I say, do that. Mm -hmm. I say, do that. Mm -hmm. Now, don't do it out of prejudice. Uh, don't do it out of, um, well, hey, we want to be on top and it's our turn now. Mm -hmm. No, because that's not Jesus's way. Mm -hmm. But if he's asked you to go because he's given you an assignment, right? Mm -hmm. Just as Paul, you know, Paul was all about doing whatever Jesus wanted. Mm -hmm. He did want to go to his own people, but he acknowledged I've been given the ministry to the Gentiles, even exactly. though I'm still a Jew. Exactly. It didn't stop him from in every city, though, going straight to the synagogue. Hey, yo, who wants to talk? I'm mm -hmm. here to do my assignment, but man, you're my people. Can mm -hmm. we talk? Mm -hmm. No, you want to talk? Anyway, I'll be in the next city. So if you change your mind, send me a letter. We'll catch up. I'm going to go talk to these people that, mm -hmm. you know, that they're not like us right now. And I'm going to go stay wow. at their house and eat their food. Wow, wow, wow. But it's got to be Christ-led. It's got to be, he's got to be at the top of your flagpole. But then you'll go wherever he wants you to go. You'll do whatever he wants you to do. You'll say whatever he wants you to say. And, and then it comes down to it that you have to have that connection with God in order for you to be able to look at people as just people as opposed to colors and cultures and all that kind of thing. Would you agree? Um, they are just people. But again, I can't take away the fact that when I look at, you know, my buddy Larry, it's, yeah, Larry's he's cool. a white dude. Of course he is. And he'll tell you that brother, too. <laughs> right? So I, I'm not in any way, shape or form saying that all of a sudden I have, you know, I've got neutral colored glasses on and everybody looks mm. the same because we don't look the same. And that's why the Bible talks about diversity, right? If Jesus wanted us all to look the same and it didn't matter, and this is not what he intended, then in the book of Revelation, when you're on the sea of glass and it wouldn't <laughs> have been every nation, of kin, we would all have been the same. He would have glorified would have our bodies all to be neutral. Mm. So that wasn't his plan. He loves diversity, right? right? So I'm not denying that. I'm accepting that. I'm accepting the richness that comes from that diversity and the mm -hmm. things that, that I can share with my brother from another mother who doesn't look like me and he, okay. and he experiences some of our culture, right? Mm -hmm. And I can learn things from him. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm walking into this is what can I learn? You know, how does it help me understand Jesus more as I look into his life and, you know, the way he manages his family based on his culture. culture. That's how I view these things. Mm. And, and I think it's okay. Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with diversity. I don't think there's anything wrong with sameness if mm. that's what God has called you to do, because if he's number one on your flagpole, mm. you go where he asks you to go. You do what he asks you to do and you say what he asks you to say. Mm. If not, and he's going to come one day and he's going to say to you, get away from me, white man, black man, yellow man, green man, gray man, purple man. I don't know you because I, I don't care what your color was. 
right. what I asked you to do was make me number one in your life. Yeah. Listen to my voice and do what I ask you to do. Mm. It has, when he comes, he don't care what color you are. Exactly. Mm. Did you do what I asked you to do? And did you make me first in your life? Exactly. That's exactly. it. Very true. Very true. The woman at the well. Yeah. I had actually a question from someone we were discussing your sermon after. Mm -hmm. um, they wanted to know how the woman at the well tied in. Woman at with, the well or the woman with the issue of blood? Sorry. The woman with the issue of blood, not the woman okay. at the well. The woman with the issue of blood tied in with your sermon title. How did that tie in? I'll be honest, and that was the toughest part of this sermon was um, bringing this all together. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we have a larger theme for the year, which, you right. know, we started looking at this for a little bit. And mm -hmm. each month is kind of themed out. Each week is kind of themed right. out. Right. And it was bringing those things together. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, if there was more time to build the sermon out, and this is why I respect pastors. I'm telling you, I labored over that thing. Mm -hmm. All night, I was here in my office, on my knees, banging my head, saying, "God, please let something come out, right?" Because I wanted to, I wanted to see all of these things. Mm. And um, you know, I, I was thinking about some of the experiences that some of the early members of Plantations Seventh Adventist Church had, who were people of color. Mm. You know, and as as researching this, I made some phone calls and talked to some people. And my first thought was about being alone in the crowd, right? Because this 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 month was about relationships as well. Mm -hmm. Being alone in plantation. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that when they would walk in the doors initially, when this church first opened, not everybody received them. They were kind of right. invisible. Right, right. They right. weren't seen. Right. There were people there. Exactly. But they weren't seen. But she weren't seen. Mm -hmm. And there were people around this woman. Mm all the time because they were around Jesus crowd. she was always there but no one recognized wait I keep every time I see Jesus I see this lady hey guys let's take this woman to Jesus because she must have something she keeps coming yeah she was invisible right and um that's kind of where it was for me as I tried to tie these things together wanting to speak to the truth and the, the experience of being African-American um the black experience and looking back but also wanting to share a message of where we're going as a church. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how those two things came together. And honestly, I wasn't hundred percent sure if it was gonna, mm. if it was gonna work, if it was gonna tie, if it was disjointed or not. Mm. But I just felt that that message was burning in my heart and um, mm. I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't escape it. Mm. And then the response that I've gotten from people afterwards, mm -hmm. text messages, the phone calls, mm -hmm. um, saying, you know, you, you were talking to me. Hmm. I'm that person. I'm that lonely person who's been serving. Mm -hmm. I'm serving in two ministries here and Still I don't know anyone. Wow. I come here every week. I've been, I've been in that Sabbath school class when we were sitting in that same spot for mm -hmm. 10 years, mm -hmm. but nobody knows me. No one knows my name, you know? And, and how does that fit in with our true purpose of loving God? Yeah, we do that. We show up at the building, but then we've missed the last two pieces loving others right mm. and when i look at my church that's what i see mm. it's a church that is lacking on the love part and that's why i'm gonna go back to my love pastor he preached about it every week i know not everybody was happy about that but we needed to hear that every week because seventh day adventists were people of the head too much not enough of the heart right and i believe this is part of the reason why we lose so many of our young people mm. 
because young people live with their heart, right? But we yeah. want to talk with their head. All the best decisions you'll ever make in your life is a combination of your head and your heart. Exactly. But what we said is just do this, just do just what's do right, that. just follow the rules. Mm-hmm. But you got to win someone's heart. And if you look at what Jesus did, he won people's hearts. Mm-hmm. He cared I, for them, he mingled with them. Yeah. I remember when you were talking about um, the person that you were saying that they've been in all these ministries and they don't really know anyone. How do you think that actually happens with such a large church that we have? I think it can happen in a large church and a small church. And if you go look around, um, there's a few pastors I'm hearing throughout the country starting to talk about this. They're starting to realize this, Mm. that just because your church is full or just because your church is small, you can still Mm. be unknown, right? And that was actually my experience growing up. I was really well known in the circles I moved in. Mm. I was well known on campus at university, but I still felt invisible. Mm. It's not until I came into a saving relationship with Jesus that I didn't feel invisible anymore. Right. And right. Um, my wife and I, over the years, as we talk to people, especially her, she talks to a lot of age. My wife strikes up conversations with people. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> and um, yeah. people share. I, my wife, I tell her she's an empath. Mm. People just share every, I don't know why they just share everything. Mm. And over and over and over again, there's this ongoing theme of loneliness. I, I remember, um, when I was um, when I was first in the church, you know, this is after I'd met Lorraine, and you know, mm. we were we would always have people at the house. We'd always have people over, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what I did in the past before becoming a Christian. When I became a Christian, I made this commitment that my house would be a house where people would come and meet Jesus. Right? Mm. We'd always have young people over. We'd always have young adults at the house and the mm. youth because I was involved in the youth. Mm-hmm. And I honestly assumed that this is what went on in everybody's house. house wow i thought that everybody was doing wow mm. so sometimes i'd see people involved deeply in ministry right. at the church and i made this assumption that they were all going home and hanging out and sitting around and talking and closing sabbath together because that's what we were doing mm. right when, especially when our kids were young we had a group of people with kids all the same age, age. and as I, as I would talk with people very prominent people in the church they're like no I just go home I just go home. by myself. Yep. It's like, what? Are you serious? Yeah. You know, and I've heard from other people who said to me, well, oh, well, you you had that little click and those things. And I'm like, what, you weren't hanging out with people? Mm. No. So I've become very aware in our church that most people, most people are lonely. Mm. In fact, there's someone who I know came from another church to be involved in, you know, I, I don't want to even go that far. I don't want to, I don't want ministry, to even know who this is. A ministry. They came to be involved in a ministry because they saw the outside of what we were doing. Mm. They're like, wow, this has got to be the best, best experience. Thing, uh-huh. And they came in and about three months later, they left. They're like, that's not what I thought it was. Wow. Because when you'd go a little bit deeper, you'd see that, you know, it didn't, people yeah. weren't really connected. And again, I want to say this is not about having a large church where it's like this, because there are small churches like where you can sit thing. in that church yeah. of 50 yeah. people, 70 people, and still not still be known. Not. And sometimes wow. it's because of our Adventist mindset, mindset of, I've got to be perfect. Every happy Sabbath, everything's yeah. good. Everything's right. When you don't tell yeah. someone, you know yeah. what, me and my husband haven't spoken for three months. Wow. Yeah. You know, I haven't had a job for six months. Mm. My kids are struggling with drugs. 
You don't mm. tell anybody these things. You mm. hide. Mm. You hide. You're like that woman with the issue of blood. Mm. You're in the shadows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes the church and our church culture, this perfectionist church culture, right? You get baptized. Don't smoke. Don't do this. Don't, 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 don't. don't. Oh yeah. And your skirt's too long and your yeah. hair's combed the right, wrong way. Change, uh, fix, change. Uh, so what uh, do you do? You hide. You come and you pretend. Mm. That's not Jesus's way. Then that's that means that church is like, it's not a safe place for us, really. Because if people are not exactly. sharing, and people are not vulnerable. What do you think about that? One of the things that helped win me to the faith, right? And saying, you know what? This is a church I want to stay at was, because growing up, I had this notion of these people all were fake. They were pretend, right? Mm. Um, I made this decision in high school that I'm just going to do me. I'm not going to pretend because I was looking at people I see them get up on the platform on Sabbath and raise their hands and sing, yeah. but I knew what was really going Go on. Up. Now I was judging them, right? Yeah. I was young. I was judging them. And, right. you know, I know that's what we do, but I saw this big disconnect between how they lived and what they came and said on Saturday. Mm. And I made this determination. I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be real. Mm. Right. And I don't want anything to do with this fake religion stuff because everybody's life is perfect when it's really not. So I don't mm. want anything to do with that. And I'll tell you this, working with the youth, that's what the youth have told me. Yep, that's, right? they see through everything. They see through all of this. There was this <laughs> yes. one experience I had, and I think I told you this before the last mm -hmm. time we talked. Uh, maybe I've had this discussion, I don't know, where we, there was a situation in the youth department and I called some of them, I'm like, what are you guys doing? We're Christians, right? Mm. Well, silence. And I said, we're Christians, right? We don't act this way to other people. Mm. I said, raise your hand if you're a Christian. And they, maybe it was like 12 kids in the room. And they were like, hands up, hands down. I, I'm like, I don't understand. And then one of them says, well, we're Christians here at church on Sabbath, but at home, not so much. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Not so much. So we're all faking it. And, um, and this is where life groups come from, from right? Right, um, right following jesus's model again right and and mm. you're gonna hear me I, we don't have to come up with anything new he did this for us right he did this for us when he came he could have just gone up on the mountain and preached the gospel done some miracles from above and high died <laughs> on the cross and just moved on right mm. but he didn't do that he got into relationship with people mm. he got into relationship with 12 men but inside that group of 12 he had a much smaller group of three right yep inside that group of three he had one so you know whenever he went off and he was going to have this much deeper experience and this is what i'm talking about with that sharing and this is why i believe life group is that way you get eight to twelve people together in a life group but inside that life group you'll gravitate to a few people that you're much closer to inside that group i may say and come and say hey you know what me and my wife man we're not doing well I don't have to announce, I don't have to stand up in the middle of, you know, testimonies in church. I want you to know that yeah. Lady Lorraine over there, we haven't talked for three months. You need to pray for her. She's a Jezebel, <laughs> right? Uh, That's yeah. not what we need to do. That's not exactly. how we should handle our business. Mm. But now inside a life group, there's a group of people that I've grown to know and trust. They know me, I know them. Mm. And inside that group, there's a, maybe a few of the guys I can get along with and say, guys, I need you right. to pray for me, man. Right, right, right. 
way things are going with me and my wife right now. I don't know if we're going to make it. What, what are mm-hmm. you talking about? No, mm-hmm. come on, Nick. We're going to pray you through this. We'll work through this. Yeah, and they're going right. those people will rally around and encourage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that, you suffer in silence. Yes, you do. And you Absolutely. go through that alone. So that's why I think it's so important as a church leadership, as elders, as pastors, we're moving in this direction, reframing the way people think about what church is all about. It's not the building. Mm. It's us. Then when we're built together, we're all these stones that build this great temple, this great church for him. Mm. And when we're all together, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, old, young, male, female, all these different things built together, this amazing temple. But people now come and look and say, wow, I might be a part of that. Mm. How are you making this work? Mm. And you'd be like, hey, let me introduce you to my Jesus. Mm. That's the shift. That's the mindset. That's the paradigm shift that we would like to see our church have. Do you think that that's what you see in um, Sunday churches? Because the Sunday churches are huge Mm -hmm. and they have like these kind of, I don't know, life groups. Maybe they have, you know, different things going on, different activities. I know they have activities. I don't know about life groups, but I know they have different activities. Do you think that's a different model? Is that something we should be adopting? Because, you know, is that an Adventist thing to do? Can I tell you what's really sad is that the Korean church, right? I think is the largest church in the world. When the Seventh-day Adventists went over there to go and find out, leadership went over there to find out, well, how did you build this church? How did you get this church to grow? Because the Adventist church is really growing by um, birth, right? We're baptizing our kids. That's where most of the growth is coming. So they went to go talk with some of these guys. You know, you know what they did? They brought out Ellen White's books. (laughs) Wow. And they told some of our general conference leaders, why don't you guys just do what your own books say? Mm. Unfortunately, we have lost track of what's supposed to be really happening. There was a period in time here, again, I'm going to go back to Pastor C, right? Pastor Cabana. There was a period in time when people kept saying that he was going to turn into a celebration church, right? Oh, I remember that. He was more along the lines of... um, the Saddleback Rick Warren. The Saddleback Rick Warren situation. Yeah, I remember. Mm. If anybody were to ever pick up Rick Warren's books and read those books, and and this is, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, right? (laughs) Sometimes as Adventists, we're elitists. We think because we've got prophecy, Daniel, Revelation, and we understand some of these deeper things that we're the only ones that know truth. Mm. Go pick up the book, The Purpose Driven Church, right? And I've read that book and I went to those seminars first from Ellen White. Then I went to the seminars on the early church and I went to the seminars. These are all things on audio verse, right? So when I'm telling mm-hmm. you I went to seminars, I do a lot of driving. So I'm listening to these things all the time. Mm-hmm. There's a particular thing that was going on in my life. I needed to learn about it to understand it more. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is what we should be doing, right? Right, right. But when you go look at what the church was doing, mm-hmm. We have walked away from it. And the Mm. Sunday churches have picked up on what the Bible says. Rick Warren will build out for you Bible verse by Bible verse, scripture by scripture, line by line, showing you exactly what we are talking about now, that what we should be doing. Mm. But if we were just doing what our early pioneers did in the 1800s, we would have been doing it too. We decided to line up in rows and stare forwards and act like, the church that we say we don't want to be like, you know, the one that we always 
talk about there's always the dragon mm. where you go into many churches right and you know what i'm talking about the mm -hmm. pastor's chair is the big chair in the middle, chair in the middle. Mm -hmm. and then the elders have the other chairs which are a little bit chair. smaller yes. and then the lower chairs right yeah, yeah and yeah. i remember going to an adventist church in this uh community in this town in south mm -hmm. florida with our young people one day to go do a play and they oh you can't touch the pastor's chair yeah, why touch the pastor's what, is he a chair. king is he a pope <laughs> so what i'm saying to you dawn yep. is we're here thinking we've got all this stuff figured out because we're Seventh-day Adventists, right? Mm -hmm. What did Jesus say? I have many, 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 many sheep that are not of this fold not yet. This fold. We yeah. think we're the only ones and we've got it all. We don't. So when we're doing these things, you may see the Sunday churches doing it, but they're doing it because the Bible told them to do it. Hmm. And some of them were much more in tune with what the word of God said and not following their tradition. Mm -hmm. We're following our tradition. And, and here you go. When Jesus came, he came to a bunch of Sabbath-keeping, rule-abiding, law-following people who eventually nailed him to the cross, That's right? right. Mm -hmm. And he tried to explain to them, you're not living this out the way my father wanted you to. Hmm. You're stuck in your traditions thinking you've got it all figured out. Hmm. I'm trying to tell you, you're missing it. Missing it's about love. It's about caring. It's about compassion. And that's what he said. All the law, all the prophets rest on what? Love God, love others. All hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. we've kind of got it to be a bunch of rules and now we look at the others well you know they're not seventh day admins so obviously they must be doing everything no mm -hmm. go read the book of acts go through the gospels you will see this is what they were doing then go read adventist history mm -hmm. go follow ellen white and you will see what we are talking about now looking back at our pioneers right That's the mm -hmm. title of the sermon looking back to the book of acts Right. looking back to the life of christ so we can move forward and do what he said mm. complete the work yeah he's not waiting for the world to get worse he's waiting for people to receive the gospel and most of the people in the world live in cities like my neighborhood like your neighborhood like our church neighborhood mm -hmm. but we're not giving them the gospel no we're not exactly so explain how are these life groups going to work how are we supposed to do this so, Here's the plan right now, okay? And um, we're going to be talking about this more and more. We're hoping to actually have these groups launch in the third week of March. Okay. So you heard the first part of it from me, and it's going to continue to build. Is mm. It's not a sermon series, but there's like an arc of the narrative we're going to be telling. Right. And what we're looking for is people are interested in leading these groups, right? And it's not going to be what you typically expect from an Adventist group. Normally, when Adventists get to study, get together to study and do what they call groups, it's like, okay, we're going to study the book of Daniel. We're going to study the book of Revelation. We're going to study something prophetic. And we're going to look to make sure the commas are in the right place. That the it's a, Is it a capital I or a little I? Is it a capital mm. T, a little T? We're going to do all of that stuff, people of the head. Mm. But that's not what the groups are going to be. The groups are going to be more about fellowship, right? If you go look at the Acts model, um, let me pull that up on my phone real quick. I don't know if you got time for me to tell you that, but you know what the Acts oh, model is. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I, I can do it. Yeah, uh, you can do it. You no. can do it. Acts 242. Acts 242 to 47. That's what you yeah, did before. Pulling it up right now. Again, I'm telling you, there's nothing that we've invented here. This mm. is just what the, the word of God says, right? Mm. Acts 242. Okay. So all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? So these are going to be the components of what the life group is. The apostles' teaching would be sharing the word with each other, right? Okay. And to fellowship, spending mm. time, getting to know, doing life together. 
and to sharing meals, right? So what we want to happen in this is that, oh, and if it goes on and talks about they prayed, they worshiped together mm. um, and daily. There's another version, but let me see if I can go back up. I'm sorry, I'm scrolling through, trying to find this. All right, I'll stop there, but they mm. prayed together constantly, right? They mm. prayed, they ate together, they did life together. Mm. So what life group is going to look like is a group comes to your house, mm. eight to 10 adults, their kids, whatever, show up. You guys are going to hang out and eat together, mm. spend time together, get to know each other. Ah, scary stuff for Adventists, right? Mm. Find out who they are, what they're about, what they like, what they don't like. Oh my goodness, you grew up here too? I didn't know you were from Antigua. Are you kidding mm. me? All this time we've been in this church? Yeah, well, you know, you never talk to me, so you yeah, wouldn't know, you right? Would know, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to fellowship, okay? But there also has to be a time where we get into the word together, right? And that's what they did in the early church. They broke the word, but we're going to do it the way Jesus did. When Jesus was sharing, he used simple stories. He used parables. He used illustrations of things around him. And he took those things and he, and he made those things applicable to someone's life. Mm. Again, what do we sometimes do with Seventh-day Advent? And, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with wanting a deeper understanding of the word, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's so up in the air and so heady that the average person who comes along has no idea and they cannot relate to it. Mm-hmm. So what do you do now? And, and I have to say something else. As much as these groups are for fellowship, the reason why the early church grew so much was not because there was one building where there was one pastor doing all the preaching and teaching, because at every house in a particular city, they were doing the sharing of the word together, right? Recounting the life of Jesus, talking about right. the prophecies appointed to Jesus. So people were hearing all over the city. Hmm. So these were missional groups too. Hmm. These were not just self-feeding groups. These hmm. were missional groups. People were bringing, hey, come, come, why don't you come hear about the story of Jesus? Oh, hey, you've been so happy lately. What happened? Come, let me take you somewhere. Let me, let me show you what's going on in my life, right? Hmm. So in these groups, We'll be sharing a little bit from the Bible with a friend that maybe you invited over to come eat lunch with you and meet some of your friends. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a friend from work. Maybe they grew up in the church. Maybe they didn't. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to be getting into timelines and dates, what does that mean to them? Yeah. Nothing. I want to share the gospel. What did Paul and the disciples go around? They didn't go around sharing timelines. Mm-hmm. They went around and shared practical things on how to live your life how to be in fellowship with each other, mm-hmm. how to show that you love God and what you do. And yes, sometimes he was talking about doctrinal things like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, homosexuality, different things, right? Depending on where he was, the mm-hmm. different letters he wrote to what was going right. on, right? right. right. He, he wrote to you about how you manage your kids. He wrote about your mm-hmm. finances. Mm-hmm. He wrote about things that were going on in people's lives. That's what we'll be doing in the life group. Mm-hmm. It'll be a huge component of fellowship. It'll be this part of food because it was always food Jesus was old. They called Jesus a, a glutton and a wine bibber, right? Because he was always eating with people. Eating with people. So we're going to be eating together. We're going to be getting into the word, you know, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, a little bit. So your kids are there. You're not wearing your kids out. And I'll mm. tell you something else. You know what Ellen White says? Because Ellen White talks about doing Bible readings around the fire. Ellen White mm. talks about if we were going to people's homes, sitting down and getting to know them and then sharing the word, way more people would be one for the gospel if we did that. That's Ellen White telling us we should do small groups. One of these things she said is when you pray with those people, don't do all these silly 10-minute prayers. She says, keep your prayers brief. You don't have to preach a sermon with your prayers. Exactly. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. At the end of everything, we're, before we leave, guys, hey, we're here as friends, as family. 
don't know what's going on in your life, what's happening with your week. Let's pray for each other right now. Exactly. And then you exactly. break and you go, right? That's life groups in a nutshell. Right. I, I, it, I don't think it's that complicated, but I know for people who may not be familiar with it, it may be uncomfortable because they're not used to hosting people, but right. that's the basis of life groups. Support each other, do life together, love each other, care for each other, study the word together. Mm-hmm. Bible memorization is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Study the word together and pray for each other. And then invite your friends to come hang out with you and let them hear the good news. Let them mm-hmm. see the love, right? They will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. So bring people into the group so they can see that in action, not just hear it in theory when you hand them a track. Well, come right. to my church let me so you can hear a sermon. No, look at my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at my true. life. It's given up to Jesus. So how can someone say they're, they're interested in doing this? How can they get involved and actually start the process? Okay, so uh, hopefully I'll get this done before this gets out, right? But right now on, on the church website, when you go on the plantationsda.org, there is a uh, tile that says life groups. Mm-hmm. Underneath it, if you click on the button, you'll see you know, a couple of demo life groups. But what I'm planning on doing, what we're going to do is, I think we're actually going to put in there, I'm interested in a life group or I'm interested in hosting a life group. Mm-hmm. But once you put it in there, you'll send out your email. It'll come to me. It'll come to some of the other elders, excuse me. And um, that's how you can raise your hand. We're also mm-hmm. planning on doing a life group fair where- okay. If you want to come, it'll be a Sabbath afternoon, end of February, maybe first weekend in March, and we should have that calendar set, God willing, by the end of this week. That if you're interested, come to church, we'll do a little fellowship lunch. Um, people could ask their questions. We'll try mm. and explain what it is. You can find out. Um, hopefully we'll have as many people as leaders as necessary. And that's why it's important that people who are interested, reach out to me, reach out to Elder James, reach out mm. to Elder Mo. Um, and help us, we can get you plugged in because we're also going to be having a training for all the leaders. It's mm. going to be about a half day, a little bit more than a half day because most people have never done this before. Right. So we're going to walk you through the nuts and bolts of what it's about, what it should look like, what to expect. Mm. You know, And we're hoping to have people teamed up the same way Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs. There should be a host and a co-host, right? Mm. Someone that's doing the caring, someone's looking out for people. And we're going to do this together. We're going to follow the biblical model. We haven't created anything new. We've simply gone and looked back at what they did mm. in the early church, right? What Jesus did, so we can move forward. Wonderful, wonderful. Wow, sounds exciting. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for your insights and your words of wisdom, as well as this exciting new platform of life groups. I think it ties in with the simple church model that you were talking about before, correct? But it, it is when we were getting with the uh, elders and leaders and as we were looking at the simple church model and looking mm. at how we could cut down on some of the busyness yes the reason yes. why you wanted to cut down on the business is because there's no time for relationships exactly right? that's true there's no yeah. time for us to know each other there's no time to sit down together and talk oh sorry i gotta run i got another meeting you can't talk to your neighbors why because you're always in your car driving back to church which is good right yeah. Kind of. Yeah. But if you don't know anyone and you're showing up at that building, you come home lonely anyway, then I don't want to say what's the point in going, but we have defeated a huge part of what Jesus has asked us to do. So we wanted to make space. That's why we're simplifying church using that simple church discipleship process, right? 
so that it will create more space for authentic relationships to happen, mm -hmm. for people to begin to be open and transparent, for people to feel supported and loved, mm -hmm. then for us to become missional and start bringing our friends, bringing our coworkers. And I'm watching it happen in a church in Miami. It's so amazing. Every time I go down there, the pastor introduced me to a couple of new people who knew nothing about the Seventh-day Adventist church until someone invited them into a life group. Oh, they started awesome. hanging out. And, I'm sorry. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's going yeah. down. There's a church down in Miami called Arise. Oh. And they've been doing this for, I think, about somewhere between three and five years. It started slowly and wow. built, but this is the platform for their church. Their mm. church is filling up and with baptisms of non-believers, of people wow. who know nothing. And you know the people who bring the people in the most? It's the guy that just got baptized, has all these friends in the world. He's saying to his friends, yo, guys, hey, you gotta, you gotta come with me. Yeah, I gotta show yeah, you something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have found something. It's like the woman at the well. Guys, come meet this man. He told me everything, everything. about it I've ever done. Mm. So that church is growing. Mm. That church is excited. The kids are in life groups. The kids are excited about being there and growing. So you're going to have life groups for kids too? The, the, the plan is that in the youth ministry, right? Okay. And, you know, I may be getting okay. ahead of myself here. Addie, yeah. I know we've talked about this, but I know yeah. it's not out there yet. <laughs> is that, you know, the way it should be is in simple church, what's going on for the main adults, there should be a similar track, not exactly the same because kids needs for socialization and their issues are a little bit different than adults. But just imagine that for you know, for once or twice a month, however, it ends up being worked out with her schedule and planning, the kids mm -hmm. show up at church for that community, for that relationship they need. And they mm -hmm. do their AY program, but they've got a 30 minute section carved out mm -hmm. where they break out into the same group of teens, mm -hmm. age related, kind of experiencing the same things, a little bit of adult supervision. And now they're talking about their issues. They're looking at how these stories in the Bible apply to their lives, their lives. right? And they're saying, hey, guys, you know, hey, you know, me and my mom, we're not getting along right now. Hmm. Right, we're going to pray for you. But again, in that smaller, smaller group, they're not group. having to stand up in the full room hmm. having this discussion. They're talking in a much smaller group. Hmm. And I think they won't share just as much. They're going to not reveal quite as much. But if we are doing it and they're watching us watching as adults us. model this, right? Mm -hmm. Not do as I say, do as I do. You're going to find that we start having kids that are much more comfortable talking about what stuff is going on. And the mm -hmm. thing that they've been most bothered about is they say that our Christianity is not real. Yeah. But yep. if we start living out this Christianity in front of them, they see us interacting. I mean, just imagine that they see this life group go and rally around a family that's hurt a family that's in trouble a house burns down and we're bringing them to live in our house we're mm. giving them clothes we're yep. going out and serving the community as a life group. life group they're watching us do this jesus thing mm -hmm. live it out and not just talk about it yeah. i believe that that will be transformational in the lives of children so yes a lot of words to say yes it'll be there for the kids it'll be a little bit different but this is something that needs to filter through the church yeah over time I don't expect everyone to join right away. We don't expect everyone to join right away. There mm -hmm. will be different levels. I'll give you one last one. Even with potlucks, right? That's mm -hmm. a traditional Adventist thing. But what do we normally do with a potluck? You put the food out. Everyone goes and sits with the people they know. That's right. If you're new, you're sitting there, head down by yourself going, wow, I don't know anybody here. Anybody here. But we're going to be intentional even with our potlucks now. Just imagine, mm. so we've got a potluck. It's like when you go to a mixer, like a business mixer. Mm. They're doing things to get you to know each other. But imagine yeah. a potluck now 
We say, okay, everyone who lives in Sunrise, stand up. All right, all the Sunrise people sit at this table. Right. Everyone who's got kids between the age of 12 and three that's, yeah, I'm just coming up with numbers. But lives in Sunrise, we want you all to split and sit at that table. Mm. Now I put people who live in the same community, as kids of the same age, so they're often going to have a very similar experience. Experience. Now let's make friends that way. Let's sit down and eat with those people mm. and see if you don't come to church next week and go, hey, Mary, hey, John, how are you? And mm. maybe that's where our life groups grow out of there. So we're going to be very intentional. Mm. We're changing how we do church. Yeah. We're having a paradigm shift. Refocusing on our true purpose, loving God, loving others, and making disciples. Amen. Amen. All right. Awesome. Thank you. So to listen to um, Nick's full sermon, you can go to Plantation SDA Church YouTube channel or plantationsda.tv and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified of all our live streams and programs. And also please subscribe to Plantation SDA Church on your favorite podcast app. All right, Nick, can you lead us out with a word of prayer, please? Sure. Glad to, glad to. Father God, I thank you for this time of sharing. And I know I get really excited about this stuff, Lord, but I'm just so desperate, Father, for our church to feel and sense your love. And, you know, yeah, we can talk to you and read your word, but you want this to be a physical thing. You want this to be a, a real thing. And you, 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 you say the church is supposed to be your hands and feet. We've only been your mind. We want to be your hands and feet. So Father, my prayer is that this is something that our church will embrace. I pray that your spirit will go out and touch hearts right now. I, I think of those people who may be just isolated and lonely so much, Father. They don't even want to come out of the shadows. Mm. They don't want to be seen. They're scared to reveal. Mm. They're afraid that they won't be accepted for who they are, for where they are in their Christian journey. Maybe they're going to think people think, yeah, but you've been a Christian for 15 years. This is mm. how you are? Father God, have mercy on us, Father. Give us grace. Give us the grace that you have for us, mm. Father. The grace you have for us. How, how you just, I don't know, I want to say you overlook our wrongs, but Father, you just forgive us, forgive us over and over and over and over mm. while we're down here pointing our fingers and judging. Mm. Give us that heart of Jesus for each other. Make us a family, I pray. Father, when we actually begin loving on each other and caring for each other and we become so attracted to the world around us, I pray you put us in a position to just to draw people in, lift you up by how we live our lives, that so many people will come to know you through Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church, through its ministries, which are going to be more outward focused, through its life groups, through every member in every community we represent. I pray blessings over the leadership of our church as we try and move in this direction. For every pastor, every elder, every ministry leader, as we try to turn and point in another direction. Lord, again, soften hearts, Father. Help us to see your way, your plan, and help us to walk in your footsteps so we can love God with all of our heart. We can love others the way we love ourselves. We can make disciples so we can get off this planet and be with you for eternity. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you again, Nick, for a beautiful prayer. And, um, before we end, we have a few birthdays that we'd like to celebrate. On the 6th, we have Anwar Bose and me. Damusus, I think that's who it's supposed to be. That's not what I have in front of me. Happy birthday. Woo! Happy birthday. And on the 9th is Ilma. Oh, I miss Woo! Ilma. How are you, Miss Ilma? And on the 12th, we have Nicole Loyton, Pastor Joe, 
and Vanette Bryan for everyone happy birthday. that had a happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Hey, Dawn, I didn't ask you, yes. uh, are you and Colin willing to be life group hosts? <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, how you do now. that right on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You have to so. think about that. That's a very interesting thing. No, never really thought about it, but it's a beautiful idea. I like the idea of it. Yeah, um, the kind that kind of concept, I think Colin and myself have been doing it over the years anyway. So mm -hmm. to actually, you know, engage in something like that is not going to be something that's too difficult for us. But that will, we would definitely take under consideration. But it's a great okay. thing to do, especially when you learn um, about new people and where they come from and how their philosophies are and their families. It's beautiful. It's a very beautiful experience. So the life group uh, underneath our life group um, uh, tile or the, the logo, the, the thing it says underneath is life is better together. Oh, absolutely. Really, really absolutely. absolutely. Really anyway, thank you for having me. All right. You're very welcome to all our podcast listeners. We thank you for listening and I hope that you have a wonderful day. Bye.